Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of a Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Housebroken Medicare podcast. Preaching to the choir, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting, thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very happy to see you. And uh, those of you who have uh, been here before know why we're here. But I'll tell the others, the first-timers, and there are probably always a few in every listening audience, um, we are here to assist people in feeling confident about their impending transition to Medicare from Obamacare. It's a a scary time of life for some people. They know that this big change is coming and they don't know what to do about it. So they have to start thinking about what the transition means to them ahead of time. And since the government doesn't do a very good job of explaining the whole thing to people, and since there are a million leeches grasping for their premium dollars, they get differing stories from various Medicare agents, insurance agents, and advisors of various kinds. And these uh, conflicting stories often lead to even more confusion. Well, I have a solution to that. And that would be to ask anybody who's confused or who wants to know more about Medicare to go buy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. You can get it at Barnes and Noble if you like the paperback with colorful edition, uh, colorful illustrations, or you can go to Amazon.com where you've got a paperback with black and white illustrations for eight dollars. You've got a an audible book with um, no illustrations for about uh, six dollars, I think, and you've got a uh, a Kindle version or an ebook with uh, probably no illustrations for about $3.80. But that's the cheapest way that you're ever going to be able to get the vast wealth of Medicare information that I have put in my book. The whole thing is going to take you about an hour and a half to read unless you move your lips, in which case you should add another half an hour. And then you'll be the most confident Medicare expert on your block. All of your friends will flock to you and they'll sit on the floor in a circle as you tell them medicare stories as you read from my book now there's one other edition if you go to amazon you can pay 22 dollars for a magnificently crafted hardcover uh, version of the book with uh, colored illustrations and you will have a museum piece on your hands that you can wrap up and give to some of your friends or you know maybe even just put it in a prominent place on your library shelf to show off your acquisition of medicare knowledge but one way or the other 
I believe my book is among the finest tools that convey Medicare information in a quick, easy to swallow and easy to understand way. So go buy my book, but be sure when you put the search, the name of the book in the search window, be sure to put Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Otherwise, you might wind up with one of the earlier editions. There are still people selling the 2022 and 2021 and the 2020 and the 2019 and the 2018 versions. So make sure you put in 2023. Now, we are here to discuss Medicare, and I like to do that with somebody that I can discuss things with. And that discussion partner of mine today is going to be Randy Carson. Randy, you're elected. Come on up and turn your mic on. Well, thank you so much for inviting me today. I I always appreciate being invited to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I I learn something new every day. Every time we do this, I learn something new and it's always interesting. And it's I I have described this as a good meal. When you get done with it, it's you want to take a nap. You want to take a nap. There's that part. (laughs) There is that part. (laughs) But uh, after you get your nap over, you feel much smarter. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it works for you, and I'm hoping it works for most of the audience. It's uh, the kind of thing that uh, we enjoy doing, and so we're always happy when people enjoy sharing it with us. Now, two things today. First of all, you are going to leave the crickets in an audible state so that when the uh, time that we've predetermined is uh, completed, that the actual the audience is going to be able to share that knowledge with us. Uh oh, he's running over. And we'll see how much my mouth, uh, uh, you know, how undisciplined I am at following our goal of having a fairly short, tight uh, episode. And I then th- the I other thought I would. Sh- oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. Then the other thing is you're going to uh, ask a question, a Medicare question. But yes. I don't want to interrupt you. What were you going to say? Well, it was, it was, the fact of the matter was, is that the crickets, I I had to give them a little bit of airtime because they were getting really owly about never getting any airtime. And I was actually contacted by the Cricket Announcers Union. Uh, <laughs> if those crickets ever decide to go on strike, I say we bust them. We bust that union right out of there. We'll get some scab yeah. crickets. Scab, uh, you know, we could get scab. I've got crickets in my backyard now. This year has been such an odd, odd year for crickets and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I could recruit some of the scab crickets just out of my backyard. I've got the world's loudest cricket that has come under the overhang of my patio into the area where his sound echoes. And the other night we were watching TV and Mary went, what the heck is that? And I said, well, let's see, it could be a wolf or it could be a mountain. No, it's a cricket. It's a killer cricket. cricket Yeah. (laughs) Lock the doors. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. The killer crickets are here. That's kind of like the zombies from Medicare Advantage coming after you. Oh, boy. <laughs> so anyway. Well, ask, ask me my Medicare good? question. Yeah, I'm, I've got, I'm, all, I'm all queued up. All right. Are you ready? Yes, sir. This is not going to be an easy one. Oh, darn it. Not going to be an easy one. We talked last time we talked about does Medicare cover hearing aids, and we discovered after I could hear what Doug was saying, that they don't. They do not. They do not. So we are down to the next question. And this one, you know, audience, you know, buckle in because this is going to be a good piece of information, but it's going to take a bit. So the question is, number 16, do I need Medicare? 
if I have VA benefits? And the answer is maybe. How's that for a <laughs> resounding answer? <laughs> I'm going to say as a conservative human being, I'm going to say the answer is yes, because there are people who find the VA benefits really easy to access. There's a geographic um, uh, component to being uh, covered by the VA. You have to be kind of close to one of their institutions if you want to make sure you can get there. And there is a quality component. Some of the VA facilities provide better care than others. So a conservative person will want to have Medicare as a fallback position. So I'm going to say it would be best and most prudent for someone that is uh, has access to VA benefits to still have a Medicare um, coverage, um, which they're going to have to pay for. So I'm I'm asking people to reach into their pockets. I This reminds me of a couple of things. First of all, uh, there are in the VA system, there are various levels of access. So some people can walk right in and get top-notch access right away. Others have to wait in line because of their the length of their service or something. I don't know what all the criteria is, but there are some people who say that they have VA access, but they're really lower on the totem pole. They're not going to get immediate or top-notch care at every facility. Um, now, the other thing is, and we're just talking VA here. I'm not talking about TRICARE for Life, which is a more intense, more comprehensive VA program. The other thing, two things. First of all, um, I have a, a friend uh, who was married to a guy who had VA coverage, and they lived in western suburbs of uh, St. Charles. And the guy woke up one morning and said, I'm having a heart attack. And we've got a terrific hospital in town owned by Northwestern Memorial, which is a major Chicago hospital. They bought up a bunch of hospitals in the suburbs. And so the wife said, all right, I'll drag you right over to the uh, emergency room, thinking that it was faster for her car to go to the hospital than for an ambulance to come from the hospital and make the round trip. We forget that the ambulances are highly equipped with all the stuff that people need. EMTs are able to start doing what doctors would do when they arrive at your house. So that was a mistake right there. And then he said, Mr. Heart Attack said, well, I think you should drive me into Chicago to Heinz VA Center, VA hospital. And that's where I'll get free treatment. Uh, we won't get a bill for the emergency room or anything like that. And she said, okay. So she drove him into Chicago, which was probably a good 50 minutes or so. I think it might've been a Sunday morning. And um, so they grabbed him out of the car when they found out what was going on and threw him on a gurney, wheeled him into the whatever department, you know, and she had to sit and wait. And somebody came out and told her that her husband was now stable and that they would be taking good care of him, but there was nothing to worry about. And that person turned around and went back through those doors. And they were back about five minutes later saying, oh, your husband's dead. And uh, I believe that the drive from their home to Chicago probably killed him, but that was his decision. And uh, it wasn't the VA's fault. But she should have gotten him to a hospital. But since we're talking VA, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Go to the closest facility. And in fact, if you've got one in, in the neighborhood, call them up and have them send an ambulance. Because when those guys show up with the ambulance, they can fill you full of whatever heart attack stopping clot busters and things like that they have on the truck that are going to be a quicker 
administration of that medicine than uh, if, if you drive yourself to the hospital. Um, the other thing is I remember my, my uh, cousin who <laughs> I never knew this guy until we were old, but he, he was in Europe and he sang opera for all the Royal houses of Europe. And that was what he did for a living. And he finally retired, came home to the U S and went to Texas, West Texas. And he built, um, I think Eagle pass where a lot of the, uh, uh, illegals are coming across the border. And this guy had a, he was like a 90 years old and he had a, um, trans am. And, uh, once a month he would go to the VA, VA hospital in, uh, San Antonio, which was like 150 miles away. And he never failed to get stopped by the cops and they always let him go because he was on his way to the VA hospital and uh, they felt sorry for him. And he, uh, he didn't care. He didn't hold no truck with uh, any Medicare, any government program, except the VA since he had earned that with his uh, service in world war two. So he, wound up dying out in the wilds of West Texas, but that was his only medical treatment or his only medical facility. And uh, it was so far away that it was not a good idea for him to rely on the VA. So that's like the longest answer ever for a short question that you asked. And I'm, I apologize, Randy, for taking up so much time. You no apologies necessary. That's a great story. Uh, And the moral to that story is if it's five minutes away, go there and if it's 55 minutes, choose the five minutes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly right. Because it could save your life. Um, okay. Let me tear into some of the curation that's been done for us. Uh, the curator of content uh, lady has uh, curated a whole bunch of stuff. I got a real thick stack. I think she wants to go on vacation. So she's she's uh, gotten ahead of the game here. I'm not even going to make a dent in the uh, content that she's curated for us. But the first one is... Um, Uh, A letter from a woman (laughs) named Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. And this is, uh, I think it was written last year, but it floated to the surface. And the headline on this printed email is, I enjoyed your book, but two important things were left out. And uh, her name is, oh, here we are. I have her name. I'm not going to use it, but she she has uh, written her opinion. And uh, she said... Let me see. Oh, boy. I normally write a big number next to the first paragraph in the letter. And um, I think she said I was two important things were left out. And and she says, and I was put off in the beginning about your comment on the government not running insurance as well as private insurance companies. Medicare is a nonprofit with a minuscule overhead. It is complex because one, it was invented in the 60s, and two, modified infrequently since. And she says, in my humble opinion, here are the things that are missing from your book. Medicare automatically applies a discount on the bills presented by uh, providers. The Medicare approved rate for a billing code sent to them for payment is different than the actual cost of the uh, service. So 80% is on a significantly lower amount than billed. And that is true. She's right about that. When Medicare pays you 80%, they're paying 80% of the discounted or cutback amount, not what the doctor would like to be paid. So she goes on to say docs who contract with uh, to be Medicare providers, which is 90% of all docs, plus or minus, agree to this in their contract. If they don't agree 
they turn into concierge doctors. And number two, the, another item left out of my book, she says, choosing the best drug plan involves one more step, and that is to check the plan detail for any restrictions the plan places on your medications. Quantity limits and step therapy can create a hassle factor if you have to get an exception or an appeal. Not on formulary pricing, not on formulary pricing is accommodated in the prices on the plan finder. I think she ought to proofread her letters. And for those um, very interested in working a little to save money, good RX and other discount plans offer RX meds cheaper than a Part D plan copay, particularly if it falls in the deductible. And then she says, I unloaded the 2023 sample of my book, but accidentally purchased the 2022 edition. And then she said, thanks for writing this book. Well, I was going to make a snide comment about her thinking that she was going to buy the 2023 and buying the wrong edition, but I won't make that snide comment because she was so polite to say, thanks for writing this book. So this was a few months ago and I had completely forgotten how to start out her letter of complaint, but I'll tell you what my response was. I said, thank you for writing Ms. So-and-so. I'm sorry for the delayed response, but there was a stampede of potential clients demanding attention after the Memorial Day weekend, and I could not refuse them. I'm put off by one thing, your fellow shipians. She says she volunteers for state health insurance plans, SHIP, which is an office that everybody, every state has, and uh, theoretically you can get free advice. On the other hand, Sometimes the free advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. I've had people tell me that before. Uh, so anything, one thing I, I, I said to her, one thing your fellow Shippians get completely wrong. But let me save that for later and begin with your first item. Number one, you are absolutely correct that the Medicare approved amount often represents a significant reduction in the total bill. Is there a simplified way that I can explain that to my readers? Is there a universal discount from retail to wholesale so that I could teach my readers how to calculate the net result of this comeback, uh, this cutback? I think not. Therefore, I have made a conscious decision not to add additional complication to my description of the billing process. When a claimant receives an invoice for their part of the charges that have been cut back to Medicare allowable, I'm hoping that they will find it to be a pleasant surprise that they will have fond memories of having consulted me for advice. And the, her number two complaint, your second item is one that brings me a great deal of sadness. I used to think I could entice my readers and clients to go to Medicare.gov database and perform the search for the most appropriate prescription drug plan on their own. I even suggested that they not involve me in the enrollment process, giving up the commissions, but saving countless hours of otherwise productive time. I am a failure. This is me talking to the Linda who wrote the letter. I said, I am a failure. My command of the English language and the best of my persuasive skills have both fallen short, and only the weirdest techno geeks in my audience have shown any interest at all in tackling that project of finding their own best drug plan. If you were able to issue a subpoena and require me to appear in front of a ship director's assembly, that's state health insurance plans, uh, the volunteers that help people understand health insurance, uh, if you were to uh, subpoena me, 
to appear in front of you, my defense would be that the intent of the book is to help the reader identify the least costly prescription drug plan from all of those available in his area. The intent is not to accurately project the ultimate cost or availability of the needed medications, only to do some limited comparison shopping. I also encourage those who are paying attention to consider discount drug cards and advice from their pharmacists as additional ways to game this system. Unfortunately, it seems that the pricier the drug, the fewer the tricks available to ease the financial pain. Everybody, including a particularly nasty shark, wants to offer discounts, but they all expend efforts on the cheap generics, in my experience. Now, for my problem with SHIP, that state health insurance plans volunteer organization, I call them here the goody-goodies who do a lot of research and never fail to come up with demands for Medicare supplement plans that are issue age rated rather than attained age rated. I hate that. I'm blaming the fact that SHIP doesn't have enough stuff to talk about and so is grasping at straws to flesh out their printed material and to make it look more impressive. This misdirection forces me to carefully and repeatedly explain the fact that all companies are faced with the same marketplace realities and their actuarial staffs will take full advantage of their abilities to increase rates at any time profit margins grow too skimpy. They will just blame the increases on the medical inflation, the difference between attained age rating and issue age rating. Uh, oh, they'll, they will blame the increase on medical inflation or adverse loss experience rather than a change in age brackets. There is no ultimate difference between attained age rating and issue age rating. Each method must eventually generate enough revenue to allow continued profitability. There, I feel much better now. In fact, I will return to your very first statement, which caused me to grind my teeth when I first saw it. It's my understanding that health insurance first became available about 100 years ago in the 1920s, and it was divided into two unrelated segments, hospital insurance and medical insurance. Please stop reading if any of this rings a bell. I'm saying this to the woman who wrote the complaint letter. When I first learned about health insurance in the last millennium, the last vestiges of that antiquated system were still being sold by some large group insurance carriers. Now their products were divided into basic health insurance plus major medical, but it was still an antiquated construct in my view. Finally, the cutting-edge product creators develop the plans we know today with a front-end deductible, some co-insurance, and then 100% coverage thereafter. Until the advent of HMOs and PPOs, those simple streamlined plans took the market by storm. Leave it to the federal government to saddle us with an outdated, creaky system based on something that lost its purpose decades ago. One more thing. You dodged a bullet by accidentally purchasing an outdated edition of my book. I was going to ask you to leave a short, written, five-star customer review on Amazon, but 2022 is ancient history and nobody cares anymore. Thanks very much again for writing. I have much more respect for anyone with a high-deductible plan F as I do. And that's what Linda said in her letter that she had high-deductible plan F. She was sharing her joy at having the benefits of a very inexpensive premium, yet still having rock-solid insurance coverage. So that was uh, put into the curation pile. And uh, since the crickets have yet to uh, stop me, I'm going to go with the skin cancer causes 
Well, the, the crickets have already chirped. I thought I was supposed to be able to hear them. I thought the audience was going to be able to. I'm so disappointed. Well, I thought they could. Oh. We'll have to, we'll have to test that out next time around. But they, they did chirp, and I had my mic open, and it didn't seem to make any impact on anybody. No, it didn't slow me down at all. <laughs> and, and in fact, it's still not. Just hearing that they chirp doesn't tell me that they actually chirped. So I'm going to forge right ahead with another thing that I had that I thought was relevant to my recent experience. And I'm going to try to make this quick so we can get out of here on time or close to being uh, on time. All righty. Sounds good. The headline is skin cancer cases reach a record high in the UK with a sharp increase among older adults. Now, the UK is where my peeps live and Randy's peeps, and we would be equally um, vulnerable to skin cancer because we have just changed locations to a, a place that's actually has more sunlight than even the UK probably has. And so um, to go on with this article, cancer research in the UK says melanoma cases could soar by 50% over the next 20 years and warns against sunburn. The number of people in the UK being diagnosed with skin cancer has hit a record high with a sharp rise among over 55s. Melanoma cases across all age group groups have reached 17,500 a year in the UK, the highest since records began. A boom in cheap package holidays in the 1960s has been linked to a rise in a serious type of skin cancer among older adults. The charity, it's a charity reporting this, uh, suggested. There has been a particular rise in cases among adults 55 and over. Case rates in this age group have risen by 195% since the 1990s. The rise in rates in over 55s is likely to be linked to trends to to have tanned skin and the cheap package holiday boom dating from the 1960s before people became more aware of skin cancer. Other factors could also be at play, including a growing aging population, as well as more people getting their skin checked when they notice changes. Um, despite a recent rise in cases, deaths from the disease are decreasing. Early diagnosis and treatment means more people than ever will survive the disease. Melanoma is the UK's fifth most common cancer, and we know that 86% of these skin cancers could be prevented. It's important to take care uh, in the sun and to contact your GP if you notice any unusual changes in your skin. Your GP is going to send you right to a dermatologist. So skip, if you've got a Medicare supplement plan, you don't even need a GP. Just go straight to the dermatologist. And it says uh, further, a new mole or a change in existing mole may be signs of melanoma. Well, I've got a couple of short stories about that. The neighbor across the street had melanoma right where Friar Tuck would have had a bald spot. And they went through a miserable week of every morning getting a phone call. The phone call was the results of the lab uh, analysis of the tissue that had been removed. And every morning for over a week, I think it was maybe eight days, the phone call had bad news. They had to pile in the car and drive back to the dermatologist office and have a larger piece of skin removed from the top of this guy's head and then come home and wait. So during the day, that container of skin removed from his head was placed into a car and driven 120 miles to Tucson, Arizona, where there was a lab that analyzed it. And every night they reported whether or not the edges of the melanoma had been removed. And every night 
for eight days, the result was that they had to take more tissue the following day. So the phone would ring in the morning with the bad news. Come on in. We have to do more cutting. And this guy had a big, giant, silver dollar-sized, bald, you know, you could almost see a skull. Uh, His skin removed because they wanted to get all the melanoma, but it took a week or more than a week for that process to play out. Now, today, a good friend of mine in Kansas City is going into his dermatologist to have uh, a spot behind his ear removed, and he is going to sit there, and there is a lab in the same facility, so they're going to be able to tell the doctor instantly whether the melanoma has been completely removed or whether they missed some around the edges, and then they'll do the the completely corrected cutting during the time that he's there. He won't have to go back in over and over and over again. I consider that to be an improvement. I just had my leg attacked by my dermatologist in St. Charles, Illinois, uh, because he found a uh, basal cell, which is a much more benign, a much more slow-growing, less dangerous skin cancer than melanoma is, but yet you got to get rid of it. So he hacked on my leg, and then I was uh, released to the care of my lovely bride, and the next day got a call and said the lab did not get it, or the lab said that you didn't get it all. You got to come back in because the margins around the the uh, basal cell had not been cleared. So he hacked even more on my leg, and boy, it's taken a while for me to get over that. But it's better to do it early than to do it later. So I suggest that everybody that's been exposed to the sun be uh, become a good friend of your dermatologist, and hopefully you can avoid some of the pain that several people I know have gone through, including me. And Randy, that's it. I, I would complain more about my dermatologist, but he's a fun guy, so I'm not going to do that. You can uh, stand in for the crickets and tell me to <laughs> shut up now if you like. Well, I was just going to make one comment because your background and my background in terms of that type of, you know, the type of skin we have is a very similar. Uh, let me describe to the audience my experience with sun tanning. Okay, I have an Irish background, so I burn. Yeah. And then it falls off and then I burn yeah. some more. It never tans. Okay. Well, see, I've got a little more melanin than you. I do tan, or I did when I was a kid. I haven't tried to do that lately, but my formative experience was in eighth grade. Well, before that, I lived in the sun. I lived in the swimming pool. The country club swimming pool was where I lived all summer long. I'd get a huge burn early in the year, and it would go away, and then I had a tan. I never burned again the rest of that year. However, it's what happened many decades ago that is causing melanoma and other skin cancers now, but, but uh, the formative experience that I had was in eighth grade, uh, my brother and I were shipped off to Arizona for 10 days during spring break. I was in high school, uh, and my brother was in second grade, I think. And, uh, I was in eighth grade. Yes. Uh, and so I was one year away from high school. And when I came back from Arizona, because I'm hanging around with my little brother, I got nothing else to do. All I did was lay out in the sun for 10 days. I didn't have a car to go pick up girls with or anything else or to go listen to the teenage, the music and the teenage nightclubs that I did later on. So when I got back, I walked into a class, I think it was a science class, and the most beautiful girl in that science class, uh, a girl named Anne, uh, should I 
I had her last name on the tip of my tongue a minute ago, but Anne looked at me. She had never given me the time of day. She looked at me and she said, my God, you look magnificent. And that Caldwell, that was her name, Anne Caldwell. I don't know whatever happened to her, but uh, I know that I impressed her. My son, Tan, from Phoenix back in uh, 1961, impressed Anne Caldwell. That was a formative experience. I said, hey, oh, some yeah. is good. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. So anyway, we, as Doug said, the crickets have chirped. He just spoke right over them. I need to, you know, crank up the volume on the crickets or something. But anyway, I'm, I'm just teasing. That, that'll teach it's, that damn cricket union to try to go on strike around <laughs> us. It, it's all good. But we have a couple things I always like to take care of before we sign off. Bring the plane in for the landing and bring the train into the station. As You know, pull out your pencil. Doug loves to communicate with his customers. And you can reach out to him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. As we mention or try to mention every episode, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. You can go to the website at medicareforthelazyman.com. We got some pretty cool things going on there. We would appreciate a rating. If you can find some place to give us a rating, we would certainly appreciate it because it puts us up in the, you know, up on the bulletin board in terms of uh, Medicare podcasts, and we certainly enjoy that. And one of the things that I always like to mention occasionally is the other place that Doug is ranked very well with his Medicare podcast is travel. <laughs> is travel, and we've never quite figured that yeah. out. Yeah, uh, never quite figured that out. But anyway, I always want to thank the audience. You could have been a hundred different places doing a hundred different things. And you weren't, you were with us spending some time with us at the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. So thank you very much. But if you haven't kept track of uh, you know, the time on your watch, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He moved out to Cave Creek, Arizona, into the nosebleed section of the city, and he's spending his time in his fortress of solitude protecting Cave Creek and the surrounding area from Medicare Advantage zombies. <laughs> thank you, Randy, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.